The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of the owner, staff, or management of this radio station. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19, verse 14. Good evening and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. My name is Vivian McNenny, and I'm thrilled to be with you today to offer homeschool insights and delights from our household, where God is present in my beautiful garden this week, where the grass is lying in lovely straight lines and the birds are fighting over the worms. I'm starting to feel better finally after a belated course of antibiotics. The doctors here are very loath to dispense these miracle drugs. So I offer up Thanksgiving whenever I'm handed a prescription with a word ending in psyllin. Each week I entice an unsuspecting, hugely fascinating person to join me for part of the show. I offer intangibles like social media exposure. I would hand around plates of cake or biscuits and pour cups of tea if I was face-to-face. Honest, I would. My fearless guests join me anyway to talk about aspects of family life which usually relate to homeschooling and always speak straight to the heart of parents who place the responsibility of child-rearing above their pious joy. My guest today is Marsha Washburn, who joined me last year to talk about her interactive music book called Beethoven Who. Today we have encouraging things in store for you, so stay tuned, okay? On the family front, I'll be talking about super hubs, auditions, and wafer. So let's start my weekend off with a bang. Here I am, another week into our visit to London, and I'm beginning to feel tired again. I don't know why. A cloud's directly linked to lethargy. I managed to get my blue eyed cowboy out for a walk with me to see the bluebells. He calls it a forced march. I found I had to slow him down. I was feeling positively puffed. I decided I hadn't had too much to eat for lunch, and the coffee must have got my nerves a-buzzing, and all I could think of was the chicken with a heart he'd promised to cook for dinner. We made a trip to the shop, part of our trek, and I had visions of French bread dipped in onion gravy with my chicken. I could barely contain myself. It was a wonderfully delicious meal with roast potatoes, parsnips, and carrots when I finally got it. We're back to eating late because of the way the light works here. Even Dorts enjoyed it. She was home from work at about 8.30 in the evening. We were just thinking of dishing up, so we waited for her to have a shower so we could eat as a family. All parents out there, this is really important. So much so that one or other of our children joins us on Skype for lunch every day while they eat their breakfast. I'm reading an article about John le Carre, and at the grand old age of 81, he does four things in his life now. He walks, writes, swims, and has a drink. How very civilized. I'm pretty much doing something like that here. I wrote to my daughter-in-law, Elsa Mack, after she had wished me a happy Mother's Day, that I'd had a perfect day. Mass, reading, writing, walking, and dinner. Would that our always life was as simple. 
I have several friends who can't multitask. Well, worse than that, they can't do more than one major thing in a day. One worked for me, and she wouldn't eat lunch out with me if she was teaching a ballet class that evening. Another will only schedule one thing a week, which means if he's off to see a business partner on Tuesday, for example, he won't play tennis on Thursday. My parents must have been like that because they hated to have their daily routines disturbed. I don't know how they coped when we, the McNenny clan, came to visit. Well, I do. They just wouldn't let us in the house. We'd meet them for their walk or go shopping with them on their shopping day or join them for Saturday evening mass, but only the odd thing out of the ordinary could be done while we holidayed and hovered around town in the event we'd catch sight of them and wave. And I, on the other hand, enjoy having breaks in my routine. Although I do enjoy my schedule and sitting down and writing for a given time each day, I try to keep myself flexible. Instead of deciding to write from one to three in the afternoon, I'll guilt myself into writing two hours a day any two hours in the day. Consequently, my weeks are filled with unscheduled delights and surprises. And when we're not in England, where it is inherently quieter because of the time difference and geography, our always lives simply cannot be tamed. Three weeks ago, we were all over the place trying to pack, coordinate builders, move and say our goodbyes. Forget finding time to sit and think about what was happening. Emotionally, we could go no further than surface deep. We endeavored to find points in our day to relax. Otherwise, I'd have just kept going without a break. And as I age beautifully and gracefully with my stalwart Texan, I found I need to protect my heart and body from overdoing it, which is a relative statement because my friends and parents would say I overdo it when I sit down for a quiet cup of tea with a family member, pad and pencil in hand, relaxed yet poised to set the chili to simmer when it boils, with half an ear on the tumbler dryer. But I call that passive multitasking. Most of me is focused on the cuppa and chat. Like this hour, of course. This would be termed as work to them. For me, it's pure pleasure as I wind down after the week. I knew I was overdoing it in America when I didn't stop to check out the first oleander buds this year, the ones that drop pretty petals into my pool. So we went out to dinner with the in-laws who live just around the corner on the day before our major move out of the house. And we had one of the most enjoyable meals out with them ever. We were all on top form and the waiters caught our mood and everything was just fine and dandy and exactly what we needed. We were able to slow down just enough to go back to the house, do some final packing of boxes and hopefully sleep well in preparation for the major move on the following day which I talked about last week. When the big move-out day ended in success, we waited for our Perry Poppins daughter to come and pick up her share of the goodies, the washer, dryer, bookcases, chest of drawers, and kitchen utilities. She could have stayed for the final, final dinner with just us, the immediate family. We had the wedded pair with us and our oldest, and, of course, Dorts, who's around for everything fun we do. But she had to go back to where she lives, unload and return the trailer. So we said a quick goodbye. Later, she texted me that she prefers it that way. When we'd paid for dinner, we went to check into our hotel and Dort's conveniently, was meeting a friend. 
We said final, final goodbyes again and lumbered off to the Hawthorne Suites with three sets of bags. We had to make several trips to lug them upstairs to our room. No lift there. I have talked about her tendency to carry way too much with her, haven't I? Well, Mum, shoes hardly weigh anything at all, she says. No, neither does one feather, but enough of them can wear a ton. Hawthorne Suites were interesting to say the least. A small converted apartment building is what it looked like. In fact, when Dorts woke up the next morning and could take full stock of her surroundings, she said, Oh, I could live somewhere like this. When we come back and you build a new house, make me a suite of rooms like this on the top floor cheeky thing. Anyway, in her absence the first evening, we gave her the room downstairs. We didn't want to cart her bags any further. She had a queen bed, bathroom, living area, and kitchenette. We took the upstairs where a king bed reigned with plenty of space and a bathroom. And after spending a restless night, we all got up for breakfast. Oh, no, I forgot. Dorts was sick with a dreadful cough and the start of a fever. Not a happy predicament to be in on the verge of a long aeroplane journey. We went for breakfast, then popped over to the house to do a final sweep before the signing of the contract. You can tell we really weren't wanting to move that quickly. While we waited for the next stage in the process, I repacked my two bags and felt much more organized. And after the final walkthrough with the buyer, we had nothing else to do but wait for news of her signing and eventual funding, which came through later on in the afternoon. Without an awful lot of hoopla at the end, we passed our home of 28 years along to a complete stranger to care for, nurture and maintain. I say not a lot of hoopla. We had spent three months running crazy getting it ready to sell, but I half expected the world to come crashing down upon my head when I heard that I was in possession of dollarinis instead of bricks and mortar. All through the process, though, I hadn't once thought this time next month or next week or tomorrow. I lived each day fully with all the hiccups, worries, frets and glitches, the dramas and emotions, laughter and love. And here I am, three weeks later, sharing my story with you and ready for whatever lies in store with our awesome God. However, I do believe a delayed reaction of sorts has set in. I'll let you know next week. It could just be the cloudy skies. Something great happened this week that helped us put aside all the stress of the first day when we were trying to get the internet in our flat and data on our phones. My blue-eyed cowboy is nothing if not resourceful, and he loves electronic devices, almost as much as he loves a good piece of wood. Wood is almost impossible to cart across seas and continents. I won't say impossible because my intrepid Texan is amazing in his ingenuity, but electronic devices are rather portable today, and he put into his suit case in lieu of shoes and jackets, our Vonage box and our Apple TV, just in case, he said. Yes, I said, just in the case. There's a wonderful company here called Virgin. It started life as a record shop back in the 70s, and the story goes that Richard Branson and his partner, that's his business partner, BTW, named the company Virgin because they were virgins in business. But I've always secretly wondered if they had a schoolboy bet going that they could get the word virgin spoken out loud in public and mixed company without causing blushes, shushes, or fusses. He succeeded because the day after we arrived in Merry Old, still on the quest for internet and phones, my Texan emerged from the train station with this phrase, said louder than intended, as is the way we're moving from a noisy place to a quieter one. Now let's find a virgin. The word store was understood, or was it? We weren't disappointed and told the very friendly, bowled over by doors with her long blonde hair, blue jet-lagged eyes and irresistible southern accent. That's an American southern accent, not London. Salesman, what we wanted. After confirming 
confirming there were no credit checks, the bane of our lives here, because we own everything and have little or no credit history, we challenged him to strut his Virgin Media stuff in an hour, which he did, and we were very happy customers, especially when the Virgin technician arrived to install our internet, and my blue-eyed genius plugged our Vonage box into the router, and hey, presto, we have a local American number, our local American number that we've had for 28 years, ringing into our London flat, and the Apple TV spitting out Netflix and Hulu as if we were snug and cozy in our nest at home. That was a good day. And it's time for me to go on a short break. And when I return, I'll be talking to my guest, Marsha Washburn. So you need to go get yourself a drink and hurry back. And I'll be back in just a minute. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. What's ideal for you? Really, what's ideal for you? Being who you are, doing what you love, and getting out and about with friends. What's ideal for you? With your host, Janice Christopher, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. And it all starts with Janice doing just that. Then being open, curious, authentic, and living her life on a quest to discover everything that could possibly make life ideal. Check out the website, whatsidealforyou.com. Studies have shown that 80% of Americans, and probably everyone else too, dislike their work. 80%. The mission then is to turn that passion statistic around. To show how it is possible to live your passions and make a living. Or live your passions so that you'll be able to mush through your job until you can change it. And watch life's magic begin to happen. It's What's Ideal for You with your host Janice Christopher. Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Get ready for resources, tools, and support to help you build a successful business and live an awesome life. It's the Women's Business Success Show with your host, founder of the Association of Women Entrepreneurs, Tara McHugh. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Each show will feature a special guest interview. Tara will bring you highly successful entrepreneurs sharing their stories of success. You'll hear about the challenges they faced along their journey together with the advice they have to help you achieve more. You'll also hear from various personal and business development experts sharing tips, solutions, and strategies that you can easily implement into your business and life for amazing results. For more on Tara and her show, check out her website, aofwe.com. Then join us for the Women's Business Success Show with your host, the founder of the Association of Women Entrepreneurs, Tara McHugh. Thursdays at 11 a.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
My guest this afternoon is my very creative and musically artistic friend, Marsha Washburn. We've talked in the past about the Shua Indians of Eastern Ecuador and her hands-on electronic book, Beethoven Who, written for any teacher who wants to teach music but may not be fully equipped to do so. Today, we're going to be talking about encouragement for homeschooling mums, and Marsha certainly knows how to offer that in a warm and humorous way. She holds a master's in music education and taught public school music for eight years prior to the birth of their oldest of five sons, whom she and her husband homeschooled in rural Colorado for 19 years. Marsha is a columnist for two major home education magazines and speaks nationally and internationally about homeschooling and building a firm foundation for our children that won't crumble under pressure. She has a series of e-books called Management for Mums, and today we're going to be talking about her latest one in the series called Encouragement for the Homeschooling Mum. Good afternoon, Marsha. Welcome back to my show. It's wonderful to be back. Thank you for inviting me. Well, how are you today? I'm doing well. You know, I was listening to the earlier part of your show, Vivian, and uh, it brought back such memories, not very distant. Our third son and his family recently moved to Peru, and I chuckled as I remembered all of those bins and boxes and, and luggage that they had with them, along with two little children and another one on the way. Yeah. And it, it must have looked a great deal like you and your blue-eyed Texan. Yes, it certainly must have. Now, Peru, um, how long are he and his family going to be there? They will be there for three years. He is a a medical doctor, Mm -hmm. and they will be serving in um, a small village about uh, 30 miles west of Cusco, if you know the Machu Picchu uh, Incan ruins area. Mm -hmm. And um, the, um, the local people, the Quechua Indians, have very poor medical care, and so this hospital was started by a German couple about seven years ago, mm-hmm. and um, they uh, literally, the patients, the prospective patients, I should say, line up um, a week in advance. Saturday right. afternoon, they will uh, pass out tickets for appointments for the following week, and unfortunately, there are not enough physicians to see them, and they will often have to turn away as many as 200 or more people each week. Wow. And so your son, did he apply for a job? Was he approached? How did that happen? Well, you know, John has, uh, for many, many years, since childhood really, had an interest in missionary work. And as a physician, he felt like he could not only reach the uh, the physical needs of the people, but also their heart needs mm-hmm. um, and spiritual needs. And so um, as he was finishing his medical residency last year, he began searching out what organizations were sending people abroad and so forth. So he is serving with uh, serving in mission, SIM, and they do not provide a salary, nor does the hospital. People here in the United States um, have offered to give them monthly support to keep them on the field for three years. Mm-hmm. Okay, so is that your only son who's abroad, or do you, do you have another one abroad? He is the only one currently abroad. The rest are scattered in the States from coast to coast, almost literally, Arizona to Orlando. So we we do a lot of traveling to see our family. But, you know, Skype is wonderful. Oh, Skype. So you're on Skype now. 
We are on Skype now. In fact, uh, just this morning we visited with uh, the son and family that are in Peru. It was fun to wish our little uh, just-turned-three-year-old boy a happy birthday. Wow, wow. Well, good. I'm glad you're on Skype because um, that's how I communicate with um, a lot of my guests that can't talk to me live and I have to do recordings. And it, gosh, it just makes it so much easier to talk to my children as well. So, well, good. All right. Now, Marsha, today we are going to be talking about um, encouragement for homeschooling moms because I know this is, you know, this is an important area and we're, we're, Coming to the close of the traditional school year, some homeschoolers don't close their schools at the same time as others, but, you know, at this time of year with Memorial Day, you know, coming into the summer, we're sort of looking at winding down a little bit. And what would you say to these mums who have got to get through the last couple of weeks and make a decision, do I do it again next year or have I had enough? You know, those are such important questions and I don't think there is a homeschool mom out there who hasn't asked herself those questions, especially in January, February, March, when the weather is dreary Mm. and the children are inside all the time and mom is tired (laughs) and Mm. everybody's tired and they, they just question, are we doing the right thing? And what I remind moms is that, um, We don't do our children a favor if we let them expect that every day is going to be a wonder of creativity, that every day in their life will be a Disneyland day. Mm -hmm. There is a certain amount of routine and just putting one step in front of the other that goes with life, and we... We help them to understand that just by putting one foot in front of the other. You know, so many times we um, we look at that distant time when we will finally, after 19 years, be finished with our homeschooling, and we think, I will never make it that long. But yeah. you know, it's, it's like so many other things. Um, we, we put one foot in front of the other. Think about when you were in childbirth. You only had to deal with one contraction at a time, thankfully, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you knew there was an end to it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so I think that that has been uh, very helpful to us. You know, parenting can, can put you on your knees, and homeschooling for sure will keep you there. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Um, you, you say about, you know, um, Every day is a normal day. Not every day is a fantastic, you know, sort of Disney day in in your homeschool. And what I used to do would, I would look back on the year. I would have the children. We would spend maybe a month going back because I kept these records and and we all knew what we'd been doing throughout the year. And I'd have our children, um, you know, write down what they had done in the year. And all of a sudden you look and you go, wow, look at what we did. That is a marvelous idea. I wish I had thought of it when my boys were still at home in the homeschool. <laughs> but what a wonderful idea. Yeah, yeah. And and we would write, you know, sort of poetry or a or a book about it or a letter to my parents or you know, they would they would always do something creative or draw about it. And it was just wonderful. But each day, you know, there might might have just been, you know, one day in a month when something extraordinary happened. But when you went back and looked over what you'd done, it was just it was just very 
fulfilling and um, you know helped you helped you carry on but uh, going from one year to another is something I think that some parents struggle with they they're tempted maybe to put their children in school and you know I don't know do you find that I, yes, we, I, I think that is not uncommon, and I think that um, it is not by accident that many state homeschool conferences are held in the late spring and the early summer, not only so that they can purchase the uh, curriculum that they need for the following year, but also to just be re-energized and to have their vision clarified about why am I doing this. Um, this is not just an exercise in futility, that there indeed are strong reasons for us to to raise our children at home where we have the freedom to teach every subject from the Christian point of view. I know, and in, in your book, um, Encouragement for Homeschooling Mums, you give some of these um, s- some of these reasons why a mother has been specifically, you know, sort of drawn towards homeschooling. Can you share some of that with me? Well, you know, um, in our case, we were drawn to homeschooling because our oldest son uh, had some severe health problems with asthma, and we thought, well, maybe if we keep him home for a while, he won't be around germy children. Well, of course, we, we quickly found out that there was a whole lot more benefit than just the health reasons. But, you know, we are seeing here in America, and I, I suspect you are there in the U.K. as well, um, such a disintegration culturally. And even with the very best of teachers and those who are really committed to, to teaching our children well in the government schools, there, there, is, there are such limitations. Um, first of all, of course, you don't get the one-on-one um, uh, opportunities for, for individualizing the curriculum for the children. Uh, that, that's impossible when you have 20, 25, 30 or more children in a class. Secondly, you, you are exposed, even if the teacher is very good and even a, a Christian teacher, still your children are going to pick up things from, from other children who come from homes where they may have been poorly parented or hardly parented at all. And all of us tend to sink to the lowest common denominator, not to raise to, to the highest. And so they begin coming home with habits that um, perhaps you, you wish that they didn't have. And, mm-hmm. and are, they're exposed to things that you would have preferred that they not at such a tender age. Mm. Mm. Yes, and and um, so you used to help. You know, you you kept your oldest son at home because of health problems, and then obviously it worked so well for you that you carried on. I don't believe you have five boys. How did you do that, Marsha? <laughs> How did you survive as the only woman among six men? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I uh, I have some fun stories to tell about that. There is an old song, much older than I am even, called I'm a Lonely Little Petunia in the mm-hmm. Onion Patch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there were, there were days when I, I did feel that way. But you know, um, on the other hand, I never had to carry my groceries in from the car. I yeah. never had to open my own doors. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that, that helped us the most was we were very careful in how we disciplined our oldest son, and then as the others came along, they kind of watched what he did, and it became part of the family culture. This is how we speak respectfully. This is what we do in the Washburn family. And so with each one, it became 
became a little easier. Not that they didn't, you know, each have their individual personalities that needed correction, but doing it from the beginning was so much easier than having to uh, start something later on. Not that that is impossible, but it just is a little more challenging. We've got to go on a short break now. We'll be back in just a moment. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you yearning to connect with those close to you who have passed on? Do you feel you'd be more at peace or more in balance in your life if you could only have that connection? Now you do. It's time for Alex Laws and the Alex Laws Hour. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Alex discovered an incredible balance that allowed him to listen and receive messages from the other side. Not your traditional psychic medium. Alex has spent the last 27 years as an endurance athlete and entrepreneur. At the core of Alex's abilities is his knowing that in order to open one's soul to the universe, one must open their heart to being authentic. The wisdom Alex has shared from those beyond the veil has helped at an international level and changed people's lives and sometimes, too, their direction in life. Need help with your life or business direction? Tap into the spiritual realm of Alex Laws. For more information, check out alexlaws.com. Then join us for the Alex Laws Hour with Alex Laws. Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central, here on The Rock. Star Radio Network. In the annals of recorded history, there has never been anything that can compare to home movies. But now, in this modern era, where do you turn for the best information? Right here. It's the Home Movie Legacy Project, hosted by Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Learn how to organize, digitize, share on social media, use as genealogy research, repurpose or even monetize found footage. Discover ways to find films about your own family that you didn't even know existed. Or create a documentary that can use the power of home movies to deliver a message that can impact the lives of many. For more on Rhonda and the show, go to our website, homemovielegacy.com. Then be here as the journey continues with the Home Movie Legacy Project with Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Marsha Washburn, and we're talking about encouraging homeschooling mums in their journey with their um, families. And um, Marsha, you know, there are times like um, we know that this is God's plan for us to homeschool our children, but sometimes it feels as though God isn't even there. He doesn't even know where we are. We go, oh, you know, if only you knew, then perhaps, you know, you'd be able to help me or give me a message or give me a sign. And I know you have some stories about that. Could you share some of those with us? Oh, I'd be happy to. You know, I think some of these have really touched my heart and helped me to remember God really does know who I am and where I live and what I need. Mm. And I think as I share these, your listeners will realize that that is so true about them as well. 
You know, Moses was just another Hebrew baby, but God knew his name, and he raised him up from a basket in the bulrushes to lead mm-hmm. the exodus out of Egypt. And Mary and Joseph was just another young couple in a crowded town, but God met their need for shelter. To the government census taker, we're just a number. To the phone company, we're just a number. But God knows your name, and he knows where you live and exactly what you need. I was visiting one day with um, a representative from Samaritan's Purse, and perhaps you are aware of the Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes that they send world round, um, round to children um, as a way to reach out to them with something physical as well as with the gospel message. And she told this story about a little boy who received a shoebox, and they don't pre-sort these other than just for whether it's a boy or a girl or what the age is. They just hand them out at the various locations. And this one little boy received a shoebox that, in addition to some other things, had seven toothbrushes in it. And there were exactly seven people in his family, and none of them had ever owned a toothbrush. Wow. Isn't it interesting that he was the one who got that particular box? Mm. (coughs) Pardon me. Um, Another box went to a little boy uh, who was blind. And you know the usual crayons and papers and toys and things that people pack into those boxes would not have been of much value to him. But in the box that he just happened to get, there was a CD player and lots of Christian CD songs and stories. What a perfect gift for a blind child. Wow. And that's amazing. A little girl in Kazakhstan, and she seemed not to be as excited as the other children about her gift box. And, of course, most of the other children in the orphanage had never received gifts from anyone before. And the worker asked her, don't you like your gifts? And she said, Oh, yes, they're very nice. But she said, I was, what I really need is parents. And mm. when they looked through her box, down at the bottom, there was a photo and a card. And on the card, the couple who had packed the box said, We are from America. We are Christians. We're praying for you that you will come to know the Lord as your Savior. And we don't have any children, so we wanted to send this to you. And to make a very long story short, they were able to contact that couple, and eventually they adopted that little orphan girl. Wow. And that, the Lord knew who that little girl was and exactly which box she should get mm. um, so that she could get the answer to her prayers to have her own wow. parents. That's, that, that's a beautiful, beautiful story, Marsha. You know, I think so often as as homeschoolers, we tend to get isolated because we're home alone with the children all day, and we don't have a lot of um, adult conversation. Mm. And we we can begin to feel like everyone has sort of forgotten about us, and even God has. And I am just reminded that we need to spend time in the Word each morning, not just the Bible time that we do with our children, but time to to spend with Him alone so that He can give us that that Word that He has in mind for us for the day. Now, Marsha, do you have some um, special places in the Bible that you go to when you're feeling particularly discouraged? 
Well, you know, there is that passage in First uh, Peter that talks about um, go to him. He cares for you. I, I can't say the exact reference. I think I'll always, of course, Psalm 23, um, which has um, that wonderful passage about even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and sometimes we do feel like we're about to die emotionally yeah. from isolation. Um, he is there with us. He is a shepherd who calls us by name, not just another one of the sheep, just sheep number 247, but he calls us by name. And so I think that is another very special passage to me. Mm. Mm. And the fact that God chose us. You just have to remember that this world and the universe and all the galaxies are so massive that he made himself known to us, which must mean that we're very, very special. Oh, yes, indeed. You know, I think back to a time a number of years ago when I became suddenly very seriously ill with an E. coli infection. Indeed, I nearly died. My lungs had shut down, my kidneys shut down, my blood um, shut down. I mean, I was on the edge of death, and I was supposed to be at a homeschool conference. I often think of it this time of year because this is the time of year that we have our um, conference here in Colorado. And um, at that conference, one of my responsibilities was to have been to direct a children's choir. Children were coming in from all over the state. They had been practicing the music at home, and then we were going to rehearse during the day and give the concert that evening. And um, obviously, I was unable for my hospital bed in the uh, ICU unit to direct a choir. And so I had called the pianist and said, do you know someone? And she said yes, that she knew someone whose children were going to be in the choir, and she was a capable choir director. And Mm -hmm. I didn't hear the rest of the story until much later when they sent me a video of that concert, which just made me weep for joy because the children sounded so wonderful. It turns out that the choir director had been asking God, will I ever be able to use my music again? Because she had given birth a year earlier to a very high-needs child who uh, was unable to do anything for himself. He had to have his lung suction out regularly. He required 24-hour nursing care. And she had wondered, God, will I ever get to use my music? And here God arranged for my need for a substitute director to meet her need to know Yes, Cheryl, I have not forgotten about you. Mm -hmm. I know that you have a need to use your music. And so isn't that just like our Lord? I know. To to take two needs and so efficiently (laughs) meet both needs at the same time. Well, very often I look at my husband and I say, you know, only God can, can do what he does. Because sometimes we have problems just in our families and you think... How are we going to solve this and meet everybody's needs? And so you have to turn to God because God has this perfect way of being able to do that that we can't even imagine, you know? Exactly, exactly. And that's why he's God and we're not. 
I know. <laughs> and I'm so glad that I'm not God. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> God can have his job, you know, and yes. he, he's, he's perfect at it. Now, you were telling us um, that you were so, so sick during that time. And I know that there are a lot of times when there are difficulties in families and they have to overcome some difficult times in their lives in order to be able to continue homeschooling. Um, and um, you had some difficult times, obviously, this, this bout with E. coli. Um, was there something else that, um, you know, other things during your vast homeschooling history that um, kind of <laughs> made it a little bit difficult for you to homeschool? Well, I think we need to remember that life goes on whether we're homeschooling or not. Mm-hmm. And we cannot blame homeschooling for things that happen in, in our lives. People get sick, people um, move, people have uh, marital issues. There are, I mean, there are all kinds of things that, that could challenge any normal couple during the many years of their, of their married life. In our case, we had several times when we were on the road. Um, my husband's job at one time required him to live for several weeks and sometimes several months away from home. And so I became, in effect, a single homeschool mom and had to learn how to handle things when dad wasn't around except by telephone. Um, Sometimes we just, after one particular time, um, when our little boy said, Daddy, thank you for coming to visit us after one weekend. Um, The next weekend, Daddy came home and he said, I found a place for us to live. We are moving. We are going to be together. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, we have lived over the years in a basement apartment where we had to be very careful when we uh, went to take a shower because that was the same room where the landlord from upstairs did their laundry. Oh, wow. So you had to kind of watch what what time you took your shower. Mm-hmm. Um, we lived in a motel for a while, in a camper trailer. Um, just various, you know, we would just pick up all of our homeschool things, and that was one of the advantages of homeschooling. We didn't have to divide our family. We could spend time with Dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, that's wonderful. And difficult as well. I mean, really difficult living, un, uh, you know, under those circumstances sometimes when you don't have your own home. But now you have your own home and you say that you would like to live there for the rest of your life in Colorado, right? <laughs> that's the plan. We'll see if God is in agreement with our plan. <laughs> I know, I know. Sometimes I feel, oh, well, I don't want to get too comfortable because, uh, well, I know that, you know, I stayed um, stable in my house for 28 years and now I'm, um, you know, we're looking for another place. But I thought, well, maybe God has other plans. I, we had our stability, but uh, I don't know. We're just, we're just waiting to see. And Marsha, we've got to go on another really quick break. Can you come back for about another five minutes on the other side and perhaps um, read us, um, your final entry in your book, Encouragement for Homeschool Mums, Just Pedal. Would you do that for us? Oh, I would love to. Okay, thank you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? 
That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Pinrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on toginet.com. Life after an autism spectrum diagnosis doesn't have to be difficult. It can be joyful, happy, and filled with hope. Join Shannon Penrod, author, speaker, coach, and mom of a six-year-old recovering from autism for this inspirational hour of hope. She's even authored a series of children's autism books with her son, Jim. For more information about the books, Shannon, and Everyday Autism Miracles, go to her website, shannonpenrod.com. From there, you can also get to her other websites, blogs, and connections. On Everyday Autism Miracles, you'll hear stories from parents whose children have made miraculous strides. You'll also get the inside dish on therapies, treatments, supplements, and how to get funding to help you afford them. Miracles abound in the autism community. So tune in for Everyday Autism Miracles to listen, share, laugh, and surround yourself with hope. Everyday Autism Miracles with Shannon Penrod. Friday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Togenet.com. Radio Network presents the Diva Download with Tracy and Tasha. If you think Diva is all about attitude and drama, think again. The Diva Download is the premier online radio program where girls of all ages, shapes, sizes, and colors get together to redefine what it means to be a diva so that all girls can discover their inner diva and develop a healthy sense of self-worth and self-esteem. Being a true diva means you're diverse. Involved, value-driven, and active. That's today's diva. If you want to celebrate the girl in your life through education, encouragement, empowerment, and entertainment, join us every week on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time and celebrate the essence of being a girl only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. So, Marsha, you're going to share something with us that um, you've put at the end of your um, encouraging encouragement for homeschooling mums. So um, why don't you go and he- go ahead and read to us Just Pedal, and then I will push your book. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, I, I want to clarify for your listeners, this is not something that I wrote. It was forwarded to me many years ago. I have searched diligently to find the author and have not been able to locate that person. Perhaps one of your listeners will um, right. be able to help me with that. Okay. It's called Just Pedal. At first I saw God as my observer, my judge, keeping track of the things I did wrong so as to know whether I merited heaven or hell when I die. He was out there, sort of like a president. I recognized his picture, but I didn't really know him. But later on, when I met Christ, it seemed as though life were rather like a bike ride. But it was a tandem bike, a bike for two. And I noticed that Christ was in the back, helping me pedal. I don't know just when it was that he suggested we change places, but life has not been the same since. When I had control, I knew the way. It was rather boring and predictable. It was the shortest distance between two points. But when he took the lead, he knew delightful long cuts up mountains and through rocky places at breakneck speeds. It was all I could do to hang on. Even though it looked like madness, he said, 
just pedal. I worried and was anxious and asked, where are you taking me? He laughed and didn't answer, and I started to learn to trust. I forgot my boring life and entered into the adventure. And when I'd say, I'm scared, he'd lean back and touch my hand. He took me to people with gifts that I needed, gifts of healing, acceptance, and joy. They gave me gifts to take on my journey, my lords and mine, and we were off again. He said, give the gifts away. They're extra baggage, too much weight. So I did to the people we met, and I found that in giving, I received, and still our burden was light. I did not trust him at first in control of my life. I thought he'd wreck it. But he knows bike secrets, knows how to make it bend to make sharp corners, knows how to jump to clear high rocks, knows how to fly to short and scary passages. And I'm learning to shut up and pedal in the strangest places and beginning to enjoy the view and the cool breeze on my face with my delightful constant companion, Jesus Christ. When I'm sure I just can't do any more, he just smiles and says, just pedal. That's wonderful, Marsha. I really liked that. And hopefully one of my listeners out there will recognize it and I'll let you know if they let me know. (laughs) That would be wonderful. (laughs) All right, Marsha. Well, um, we have come to the end of our time and I've really enjoyed it today. I've been talking to Marsha Washburn about the latest ebook in her series, Management for Mums, called Encouragement for Homeschooling Mums. Marsha is offering the encouragement book free to anyone who orders the Management for Mums bundle for $9.98. So that's four books for under $10. Just go to Marsha Washburn. You spell Marsha M-A-R-C-I-A. W-A-S-H-B-U-R-N dot com where you'll find a link on the homepage or you can go to my show page for the same link. I hope you feel energized to finish up your school year and prepare for the next one after hearing Marsha's witness to God being your fiercest ally. Marsha has also written Beethoven Whom, Family Fun with Music, Activity Days for Homeschool Groups and Families, Talent to Treasure, building a profitable music teaching business and homemade convenience foods. And if you want to find out more, Google her or simply type in Building Tomorrow's Generation, where you'll find a wealth of encouragement and tips about challenges, both spiritual and educational, as you build a firm foundation for your children that won't crumble under pressure. Marsha, thank you so much for joining me this week. I hope you have a blessed weekend. Thank you and the same to you. Bye. Bye-bye now. Well, we have another bank holiday this weekend, and I know in America it's Memorial Day. So we've had two bank holidays in one month, and it's a bit excessive, don't you think? My thoughts on the matter don't make the slightest bit of difference, however. Monday, everything is closed, the trains go slow, and it will probably rain on all the day trippers to the beach. This weekend is also the Wafer Championships Union of European Football Association, the governing body of soccer in Europe. The women's finals were held at Chelsea Stadium yesterday, French teams, and the men's are at Wembley Stadium on Saturday, tomorrow, German teams. The reason why I'm telling you this isn't because I'm a soccer fan. Dortz was in the opening ceremonies last night, as she was last 
last year for the World Cup at Wembley. She came home after the first rehearsal and said, I did a lot of running around the football field. Not everyone gets to run around the famous Chelsea football stadium. Not so much dancing, but formation. There were 102 students from her college and the younger school. We managed to find it on our TV and tried to see her, but it wasn't being televised on anything free. She said one of the parents or a couple of the parents managed to video it, so maybe we'll get to see it. She showed us a photo of a lineup, and I asked her where she was. Taking that picture, silly me, of course she was. Pentecost was this past Sunday, and looking back over my diaries, some important things have happened recently around Pentecost. When we moved here two years ago, it was Pentecost. When we left last year, Pentecost wasn't that far behind us. And now this year, here we are again in Pentecost. I think God is trying to tell me something. The Holy Spirit does dwell among us. Jesus' gift to us after his ascension and a wonderful comfort prophesied by Ezekiel thousands of years ago. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. Then you shall live in the land that I gave to your ancestors and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Ezekiel 36 verses 26 to 28. I am eager to serve my God who has chosen me. Well, while Dortz is out performing and taking class and auditioning, which she is doing live here in London, we're manning the flat for potential buyers. The first week we were back, we had three couples step over the threshold and a return visit. The return visit have been back twice and want to come again next week with their contractor. I just want an offer or to put it in the hands of another agent so that we have two sets of people coming by. This is supposed to be the best time of year, springtime, and I don't want to miss out like I did last year. It's a strange process. In America, we got an offer on the house, which we negotiated, decided on a sticking price, and then they had 10 days to bring any number of people for second opinions, quotes, etc. Then we negotiated again, and a deposit was finally put down. Here it appears that all the second opinions and contractors are brought round before an offer is made. I prefer it the American way, at least you feel you have their interest. At the moment, it's as though we're in a competition for the best flat in the neighborhood. And on the church front, we are busy. I think no one expects us to be back. And they're so friendly, it isn't true. Really, that old saying, absent makes the heart grow fonder, certainly is the case now. We manned a stall at the Neighborhood Association Farmers Market on the church green on Saturday. We were promoting our parish church, which plays such an integral part in all of the Beckham lives, yet many had never even been for a service. They hear the bells on a Sunday, they check their watches by the chimes of the clock tower, they take the graveyard as a shortcut, they use it as a landmark, they attend craft fairs and concerts inside, they use the church hall for events like dieting clubs, Mother's Days out and children's birthday parties, but they don't come to any of the services. We invited them, made a fuss of their children and dogs and promised we'd make them welcome. The market itself was good. Alongside our stall was homemade cider, and next to that was a couple who infused fruit, rhubarb, gooseberries, peaches and berries into gins, vodkas and rums. Dawson and I had a little go-round and sample fest when I had a break. There were steak paninis, barbecue wraps, strong cheeses, vegan cakes, natural teas and plants, all locally grown and made. It was lots of fun. 
Some of the women with us found it difficult to approach people walking around and tell them about St. George's. And I thought of my oldest son traveling all the way to China to hand out tracts and speak about Jesus to Chinese students. It isn't easy, but it's rewarding. Everyone was very nice and happy to chat on that sunny, though very cold, spring day. We attended the Youth Chamber Orchestra last Saturday, and it's always a joy to drink in church. You didn't expect that, did you? And here's such young people making melodious sounds from instruments that rely on exact positioning of fingers on strings. We've been asked to join the Arts Committee, although we don't know how long we're going to be here. At least we can offer some initial ideas during our stay, take some pressure off those 20% who do 80% of the work. It happens all over the world, you know. We've been pew sitters for nine months now at our church in America, so I suppose we can't begrudge some of our time to a church where my parents' ashes have been interred. And I'm back on the reading roster, a gift I'm happy to share as long as my cough doesn't come back. And my Sevi Texan, ooh, can I say that word? Texan has been asked to be in charge of the new lighting for the church. That's quite a task and could be done by the time we leave, perhaps. And, um, oh, wow. There are heavy clouds rolling in. It looks as though it is getting very dark. And it stays light here until about 9.30 at night. And it's only, what time is it? Almost 7. And I see a fox wandering across our lawn. Yep, we get some nice little sights here. And the parakeets are out in force on the willow tree. And it looks as though I'm supposed to be going on a walk with my friend from upstairs tomorrow. But if this crazy weather keeps up, we'll probably pass for another week and stay home around the radiator. And I'm done rambling for another week. Hope you have some relaxing plans for the weekend and a cookout maybe with family. Probably better weather than we're going to get. I suppose it'll be warm enough to break out the swimsuits in Texas. Probably not here, though. These Brits don't seem to feel the cold. Remember my nephews swimming in 62-degree water in April when they came for the wedding? Off to another concert tomorrow and try out a coffee at the little Starbucks where Dortz is starring as a barista in Covent Garden. I washed my face and hands and combed my hair before before I come. <laughs> I'm off to the local now. See you same time, same place next week. That's Friday at noon in Texas and 6 p.m. here in London with more adventures from Merry Old. Without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Tokenet Radio, my guest this week, Marsha Washburn, and you, my faithful listeners. Just stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord may his face shine upon you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNeil.